Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of The Chic Podcast. My name is Brittany Ball and I am your host. In this podcast, I help millennial women intentionally manage their personal finances, strategically plan for career success, and leverage passions by monetizing them as a side hustle. This podcast is my bi-weekly drop of golden nuggets, but you can find more resources and other goodies on my site anytime at bchicu.org. So 2020 obviously has taught us many lessons, but I think the biggest one for me has always been financially related. Not only did I learn how much more discipline I have than I give myself credit for, but also that we must be agile with our finances. Now, I didn't look up the statistics, but last time I checked, Well over 75% of people do not have a sufficient savings. And honestly, I don't blame you all, including myself, because most of the year, I don't have my funds together. But a concept I've kind of adopted more recently is to just make consistent progress and be very realistic about where I am financially. Now, I may not be in a place where I have a year's worth of income saved or invested, but I can make decisions that will help me navigate hard times, at least. Financial agility is the mindset that I've kind of taken on, and it encourages me to put aside what I can towards the most threatening scenarios to kind of have some confidence in what I do have and what I'm able to address. So what I'll be talking about in a nutshell in this episode are some key areas that I believe are important for me building my emergency fund that can help you as well. Those include home emergencies, car repairs and maintenance, medical costs, debt payments, and living expenses. But if you want a quick and dirty method for saving for your emergency fund, stick around to the end to hear my bonus tip. So it's actually funny enough that this topic came up from what happened last month in Texas here that I call the Great Blackout. Um, But it was actually the big Texas winter storm that took us all by surprise. And it just really did some damage to the area, as I'm sure many of you have seen in the news. But as you know, with me being from Wisconsin, the snow did not bother us. The cold did not bother us. However, the lack of power during sub-zero temperatures was very new to me. Um, But we survived. Won't go too far into that. But I am grateful that our situation did not end up worse than what it was. We didn't have to worry about any repairs or crazy plumbing issues after the storm and the power outages. But it did put into perspective for me what's at stake when there is a moment that an emergency happens and you may not have the funds Not necessarily that we were in that position, but we could have been had we been less fortunate and less prepared. So I started to think about this topic again and thought, hey, I'll go to the podcast and just kind of give some advice to other people just to make sure that we are all protecting ourselves as much as we can financially by making consistent decisions with our money along the way. No matter what's going on, whether there's an emergency looming or not, you want to be prepared for anything. So I decided that my emergency fund would be built off of what I consider 
predictable one-time expenses related to our home, cars, and even my job. Obviously, these are still considered emergency situations, but I kind of put myself through like a logical thought process to determine potential predictable expenses related to those emergencies. And hopefully that makes sense, but I'll go into more detail throughout the episode. But also I wanted to address the whole concept of the $1,000 emergency fund, which kind of just seems like an arbitrary number. But I think what's more important is for me and for you to try to formulate something off of your own experience. And that's much more productive for an emergency that might pop up in your life. Now, striving to reach for $1,000 is a good place to begin, but I found more luck with making my savings goal-based or task-oriented in order for me to feel consistent and productive with what I'm doing. So before I get into the list, I do want to remind you that I'm no certified financial coach, advisor, or specialist but I do just love budgeting and optimizing personal systems for myself. So in this episode, I will be sure to share throughout all the logic behind each category so you can kind of adapt it for yourself. Also, I want to point out, if you're wondering, my husband and I choose to manage our funds in kind of a hybrid model. So we share some expenses and some of an income, but... A lot of our pre-marriage bills are still separate. So that's what I'll be referring to today in this podcast. So let's get into it. Number one, home repairs or renters repairs, you know, whatever um, your situation is related to the insurance. Obviously, this one is front of mind because we just went through that crazy week in February where a lot of people had to put in claims with their insurance companies for water damage and plumbing issues in their homes. So I'll start with the home side. Home insurance is different from others because you typically don't pay a deductible for the work that has to be done in your home. After you get someone from the company to come look at your repairs, give estimates, approve a vendor, then they just take care of all of it and no money is like passed through you unless it's something that's coming directly to you for an expense that's related to the repair process. Now, if there are related expenses not covered, then you are on the hook for that. So this is the amount that you kind of want to figure out in your head that you want to save, determine that, and make it your goal. Similarly, with renters, you have to go through the claims process. But this is more like car insurance where you will most likely pay a deductible before the service is completed. And it may not necessarily be a repair, it may be something being replaced, but that deductible is a specific amount that you should already be aware of that you can make your goal for your savings. So that's what I would suggest. Your minimum savings goal will be that deductible. And even if you don't have all that money up front, you at least have a goal post, you know. I think this emergency fund goes without much explanation. Freak accidents happen all the time, can happen at any time in your home, apartment, condo, whatever. And having that money on hand to restore your home back to normal status as quickly as possible is a big help to your future self, especially if you're able to avoid using credit. 
Now, next up is car repairs. It's a harsh reality that most of us will probably be in at least one accident in our driving lifetime. I hope that you will not have any major medical consequences as well, but the vehicle may require some type of repair. With the appropriate coverage, you shall only have to worry about your deductible as far as the financial aspect. And if you are not at fault, the other driver's insurance should cover your cost. It's just a major inconvenience for that short period. So I suggest, and I also personally strive, to keep an emergency fund for the car with the minimum savings goal equal to your insurance deductible. The car insurance deductible is typically a low number that I can reach quickly. It's not uncommon to have a lot more saved than what I actually need. If I have the flexibility in my budget, I'll actually continue to add to that fund and surpass my goal. This can easily go towards a future car down payment or even a fund for regular car maintenance. I've actually taken advantage of this with my previous car with it always needing some type of maintenance when I took my car in for an oil change. On the other hand, if I have a huge expense in another area of my life outside of the car that is above what I need from that fund, I can pull from this one without feeling guilty. So following these guiding principles helps me to feel more comfortable with my money because I can justify my spending decisions more easily. The third sub-emergency fund I set up is for medical expenses. Since I do have asthma and I most recently learned some spinal misalignment, shout out to McDonald Chiropractic, um, because of those, I have to keep a decent amount of money set aside for medical expenses. So this fund is a bit trickier for me to determine what kind of like rule of thumb to have because there isn't a clear-cut expense, like a deductible, one-time deductible for like the whole year. So what I determined it off of, and this was just kind of like a gut decision and how I did it for myself, was my overall out-of-pocket or copay deductible, actually. So... Um, for you, I would I obviously suggest that you do something that is more in line with your health status and the type of insurance you have. But with mine, I have, I believe, a deductible and out-of-pocket maximum. So I decided to save 25% of my annual medical insurance deductible. That's a mouthful. <laughs> and I also could have tried to base it off of the out-of-pocket maximum, but that number is a lot higher and I Ended up realizing over the last year, not a lot of my medical expenses go towards the out-of-pocket, just the deductible. So I picked that 25% and the numbers seem to be good because it is in line with kind of the other funds that I have. That number is pretty comparable to the other funds. So it's not something super crazy. And I'm actually confident that if a medical emergency came up, that fund would do what it needs to do like right away for any immediate expenses related to the emergency. And you know, if it's higher, that's still not the end of the world. I would most likely just set up a payment plan with the healthcare provider and move on from there. And actually related to that, a tip, if you ever find yourself in a sticky medical bill situation, work with the hospital, clinic, office, whatever, to make a payment arrangement. 
You don't want that bill ended up going to collections and frankly, complicating your finances. Open communication from the beginning with the healthcare provider is key, like with the hospital's billing department, no one else. That is key. And they will make a way to help you out. Um, You never know when you may end up in a jobless situation and you might be left with those expenses. But as long as you are open with them, they can set you up with financial assistance because most healthcare providers are nonprofit organizations. So they're going to have those funds for people who can't make their payments. So on to the next one, which is actually kind of my favorite because it is the one area I've done the most financial work in my life and that's on debt because I've had quite a bit of credit card debt and student loan debt in my time so far but this is another important area to me because it has a huge effect on other areas of finances so you never know what may happen you may fall behind on payments so that fund kicks in And keeps you on with your payments. If you are being careful to always be setting something aside for that. And I consider this section to be like all encompassing of debt. So not only credit cards, but also car notes, student loans, even your mortgage. And I originally only had this section as credit cards. And so I remembered that there are monthly debt payments for all kinds of um installment loans and stuff like that, that needs to be taken into consideration. So again, my logic behind this one has to do with my personal experience. And I think that having one month set aside of minimum payments is a good place to start. But also for whatever reason, I wanted to add on a buffer of 25% on top of that. So I decided to make this fund 125% of my typical monthly debt payments. My logic with the 25% is just have buffer if, you know, I kind of go past a month of replacing the income that I might have lost and there's a payment that needs to be made and I've already, you know, gone through what I've saved previously. Hopefully it holds me over a little bit until I have the funds to pay off the remaining bills that are coming up. So... I felt really confident in that one. Hopefully that works out. But 125% of my minimum payments that I already pay on all of my debt combined in one month. I also want to point out that you can treat these like medical bills if you end up without income. So student loans can be paused. Other creditors may have payment plans and forbearance plans based on what your situation is. So again, just be upfront with your communication and do what you can to make your payments. Now, the last fund that I have identified is the monthly living expenses or monthly income, whichever one you want to base it off of. Obviously, this fund is similar to the debt fund as it will help bridge the gap for a month if you lose your job or whatever income source you have. Or if there's just a big unexpected bill that is threatening all of your savings It's big enough to take all of it. Well, if you have enough set aside for your expenses, hey, can you pull from that? So that's kind of the logic behind me coming up with that one. Now, this one includes basic necessities. 
from my monthly expenses, which are pretty much utilities and groceries. Not too many items go into this budget, and it's a very short list. So entertainment subscriptions, dining out, extra savings, and things like that do not count for this category. This fund is bare necessities. Having this fallback fund really helps boost my confidence and gives me that financial agility that I'm striving for because all of my bases are covered in case of an emergency. I also thought this was a great starting place because my goal with financial agility is to be intentional with my savings, but also realistic. You may also see a lot of budgeting advice that says three to six months is key in having your emergency fund and even a year of living expenses. But these numbers can really be daunting and hard to reach. Granted, I might be making up for some of that fun with all the other areas that I have. But starting with one month is more realistic for me. And having it broken up like that makes me feel like I'm making quicker progress to the smaller goals. I'd rather have these small actionable steps that motivate me to continue saving as opposed to the six month that just feels like so hard to get to and for the longest I feel like I'm nowhere near that minimum amount of money saved. So I kind of tricked myself into this thinking because by the end of the year, I'll actually have a decent stash that may equal three to six months of living expenses or at least a huge percentage of that. For the goals that I set at one month, I did that intentionally based off of my own experience. When we moved to Texas from Wisconsin, I did not have a job. I had to hunt for something in order to cover my bills. I did have unemployment for about two cycles, and it did help with some bills, but I didn't have much income. I needed a job. But fortunately, I found my first Texas job within three weeks of moving here, and I've always been blessed to land jobs fairly quickly. So assuming that my growing skill set and faith in God continue to carry me through, I'd expect to find a solution to my financial concerns within a month if I were to lose my income. So these emergency funds can fill the gap in the meantime, and you'll want to determine a time period from a similar logic based on your experience. Also keep in mind that these funds build over time. I don't expect to max out all of these funds immediately. The amounts I listed are goals to work towards. Whenever I get paid... I divvy up a manageable amount into the various funds until I reach my goal. After that is accomplished, I'll save towards something else or compound on those goals. Now, here's a bonus method for your emergency fund, and it's independent of the other funds I previously talked about. This one calls for simply saving 10% of your gross income. And I know that may not seem new, but there it is again. This is an option. Instead of doing all of the sub-goals, sub-saving accounts, just save 10%. So if you're paid bi-weekly, it'll be 10% of your bi-weekly paycheck. I already regularly give 10% of my gross income each paycheck to my church as a tithe offering, so it was easy for me to get into that mindset of setting that amount aside. When I saw my total tithes for 2020, I was amazed. I never lapsed in my giving, And when I received extra money, I actually gave more to the church. I instantly thought to myself, if I could maintain this type of savings outside of my tithes, like I would be really proud of myself with how much I would have at the end of the year. 
So I actually do currently save that amount as my base general savings, but that's the first one that I spend if something comes up. So if you don't want to go through all the fuss of setting up the different funds that I mentioned earlier, this may be a good fit for you. Simply contribute 10% of your income each month to your emergency fund and pull from it as needed. The minimum savings goal here would be the full year's worth of 10% of your income. I really like this option too, and if I'm feeling lazy, I'll slip into the savings pattern and keep things simple. Now, saving like this can be a sacrifice if you're not already used to saving 10% of your income. It's quite a lot. But once it becomes a staple of your budget, you will find more financial agility and confidence in your budget to tackle new obstacles. Now, before I end this episode, I'll tell you how I organize my funds and my savings because they are so specific. I leverage virtual wallet through PNC Bank. My account is split up into three, spend, reserve, and growth. Within the reserve and growth accounts, I can create savings goals. From the outside, these all look like one big pot of money. In reality, I have sub-accounts with set savings goals and ultimate ability to add money to it. And that's how I keep up with it. I'm sure if you don't have a feature like this with your account, you can at least use an app to keep up with your different savings goals or sign up for an online savings account that allows you to set up sub-accounts in order to keep your goals organized. Before I started doing this with Virtual Wallet, I used Capital with the Q, Q-A-P-I-T-A-L, and they're great for that. You can do automatic contributions based off of your spending patterns or just have savings moved over regularly based upon your schedule that you set within the app. This was a really cool app to use this for, but they switched over to a paid model and I couldn't do it for free anymore. And so I ended it. And then also with having virtual wallet with PNC, I didn't really need it anymore, but um, it was a really cool tool. And I really liked using that app for my different savings goals. But there you have it. So to recap, the key areas you should be building your emergency fund are for home emergencies, car repairs and maintenance, medical costs, debt payments, and living expenses. But if you want the quick and dirty method, just save 10% of your income for emergencies and dip into that fund as needed. So there you have it, you guys. Before I sign off, don't forget to subscribe, download, review, and share the podcast with someone you think who needs it. Follow me everywhere on social media at The Be Chic and We'll talk again next time.